Welcome to Evidence-Based Aesthetics, where science meets clinical skincare. Today's clinicians are bombarded with sales tactics and marketing hype aimed at selling a cosmetic product, device, or service, often with little to no scientific research to back it up. Master Aesthetician Instructor Kristen Group and Dr. Larry Group use peer-reviewed research to investigate and discuss the latest trends, equipment, procedures, and products in medical aesthetics, while poking fun at extravagant claims, as well as each other. Evidence-Based Aesthetics is produced monthly and supplemented by a Facebook group and Instagram. Viewers and listeners are actively encouraged to submit questions and topics for discussion. And now your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. Okay, we're back. I am trying to extort you for as much information on laser hair reduction. No, no, don't. You know, what's interesting though is that you know this is you know when you train this uh, and when the, in the state of Arizona, this is the one that you have to start with is yes. laser hair reduction. It's it would seem like okay, you learn how to hold the the laser, you push it down. What we're finding out by having these discussions is there is so many more aspects to consider on how to do this safely, effectively, and profitably. That what's one of the reasons that you do some consulting um, as well as, as cell equipment is that have a discussion with you prior to doing all this because there's so you don't know what you don't know and the thing is, is you can be so much more safe effective and profitable if you could benefit from someone who's been doing this for 15 plus years well the biggest thing is you know you don't want to make a mistake on purchasing equipment that now becomes a two hundred thousand dollar mistake that you're never going to recover from um so doing the prep work and, and even when i work on my patients and i tell them you know the front end of my treatment takes a little bit longer because i'll do test spots and i'll wait i said but i'm like a carpenter a carpenter will measure twice cut once because then you know that it's correct i would rather spend a little bit more time on the front end either talking to my customer or my client finding out more about their life they think i'm taking a really big interest in their life which i am but i'm also trying to find out information about their lifestyle on do they have children if they have children do they play sports if they play sports what kind of sports do they play because if they've got two kids in baseball or in soccer they're outside for several hours a week right. which then goes to sun exposure so there's a tremendous amount of information you can get from your client that will help you do a better treatment on them and the whole thing comes back to a safe effective profitable treatment well what's interesting is, is you know you go to laser school uh, your school, your other school, even in a school like yours where you have low class sizes, you only have so much time and you're pretty much trying to get through those 10 procedures for each each modality that you don't have that much time to discuss all the things that we're discussing that are pretty much equally important as to how to hold the laser, fire the I laser. It's more important. Um, and, and this is part of my theory class that we go through because now, as an expert witness in laser lawsuits, I see all the stupid things people do with lasers and they get sued for them. It all comes down to a lack of training. They didn't understand why it was in their hand and what they were doing with it. And before you have any device in your hand, and I don't care if it's microneedling, it's a laser, it's an IPL, you need to know the why and the what before you actually do it. So understanding the physics of the machines and why different wavelengths absorb into different chromophores um, is important not only so you make better choices for your patients regarding equipment but so also you make better choices on your patients well i mean we've talked about the basic science and that's we haven't even really touched on that we've besides that though we've talked about all of these other practical considerations that you have to know to be able to do this safely effectively mm -hmm. and profitably and i guess this is my point is is that 
you can purchase a laser from a laser salesperson. They're going to tell you the benefits of the machine and how much money you're going to make. The difference between you and probably 99.9% .9 of the other people out there that are selling these machines is that you're actually a clinician who trains this, who's going to know all of these other things that make this thing so much easier to integrate into a practice. Besides, how does a machine work? How much does it cost? How much money will I make? What about all these things from a test spots, how to talk to patients, how to price it? Um, considerations for regulatory, all of these other things that salespeople don't usually talk about because they either don't know it or it's sort of not sexy and sort of takes away from the fun of buying it. Well, yeah, if you, if you have to know that you're going to have to have more training, more money, more time outlaid, it's not a sexy talk to have as you're buying a machine. All they want to know is, you know, how much money can I make with it? How fast can I get through a procedure? Those things are important, but there's a lot of homework that goes into this before you even put your hand on a laser. Or purchase one. Yes. And I mean, the work has to be put in on the front side of it. And if you're not willing to do the research yourself, then you need to find somebody who can do it for you. And that's the point of this, this entire uh, podcast video series is on, you know, obviously opening up a med spa, how to purchase equipment. There's so much more that goes into this besides, hey, is this a good deal on this machine? Will I like it? Does it work? There's once you get the machine, how do you make it safe, effective and profitable? And that's only going to come from somebody who's already done it, made the mistakes and also teaches it to say, here's what you don't want to do based on this years of experience. Mm -hmm. Someone wants to get a hold of you. Where do they contact you at? Be aesthetic advisor at gmail.com. Yes. And then what phone number would you want them to call you if they want to have a, a discussion about how you can help them figure these things out? We'll put the office phone number up on the screen. Cool. All right, let's move on. Just quickly on this particular slide, what we're talking about one more time is that obviously the patient skin types that we talked about dictate the type of equipment to buy. We kind of went into that. We have the diode versus 755 versus 1064. We also have the IPL. Let's just talk a little bit about IPL one more time. We've talked about it before, but we've been talking about lasers of a specific wavelength. Talk a little bit about IPL, some of the advantages or some of these considerations on whether or not you decide to buy a dedicated hair reduction laser versus an IPL. One more time. Well, usually an IPL device is going to be uh, more of a platform where you have hair reduction and also photofacials. So that's the it. benefit. You can do more than just hair reduction. Yeah, so normally you've got photofacials, which is a procedure done with an IPL device, but then they have a hair reduction handpiece on the IPL device. Um, and back when I first started, again, the laser company said IPL doesn't work for hair reduction and the IPL company said, yes, it does. And the answer is yes, it does. Okay. Um, and you've done it. I've done it thousands and thousands and thousands. Which do you prefer? Does it, 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 depends, it really on depends. depends on the patient. It depends on the patient. Give me just some very basics of when you'd make some of those decisions. Um, uh, hair quality. Okay. Um, and the coarseness of the hair and the darkness of the so hair. So someone that's got really dark hair, both of these technologies are going to work yes. pretty well. Uh, anything's going to work but well. When we start to get into people that have lighter, I don't mean like blonde hair, hair, but finer hair, uh, which do you think is more an appropriate technology? IPL. IPL is. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you can tailor that based on the handpiece you're using, right? Yes. But that's going to require a, a more significant investment. Well, it depends on if you buy a machine that has all the hand pieces on it, or if you buy a machine with a few hand pieces, then add hand pieces as you grow. Now, my understanding is that the Medi Light that you distribute actually has one hand piece that has just filters that go on it. Yes. And so that keeps you from having to buy multiple hand pieces. Yes. And that, so that's a good thing. Yes. Okay. It's basically you pay one price, you get everything. Okay. On good. the other devices, I, I have bought 
hand pieces after the purchase of the device, but I wanted to add something new. How much do these hand pieces run? <laughs> Depends on where you get them. If you're getting from the manufacturer, they're anywhere between about $11,000 up to $65,000. And how many pulses can you get out of a handpiece? It depends on the machine. Okay. Um, usually if it's an IPL device, it's 150,000 before the light is still going off, but the efficacy drops off. The Medi light, the system that you have is one handpiece with multiple filters. So obviously that handpiece is going to get more shots through it because you don't have multiple handpieces to divide that amongst. Yes. But my understanding is that particular piece of equipment has a higher shot count before it needs to be replaced. It has a higher shot count, but I mean, eventually all IPL devices are going to have to be replaced. Okay. How do you know? when it's time because <laughs> it's not working but i mean is there like a maintenance <laughs> schedule that that, that your tech's well, gonna every, know every year you're gonna have a maintenance on your device okay or you should have a maintenance done on your device but i mean just like with my icon that i own um it, when you're trying to do hair reduction and you're not getting that smell of success and you're not getting any efficacy i mean it really goes down to the efficacy it's not so much a safety issue at that point because you're getting light out of it but you're not getting any treatment it's efficacy goes way down so it's not the ipl in in particular case it's not the ipl box That's it's the, the, hand piece it's the hand piece that needs there's to a flash lamp does the it. box ever need to be replaced because it's got too many shots through it um eventually it's going to i mean but those are hundreds way, of way, thousands. Way, way i have okay. never replaced i've never replaced the actual unit i've replaced the hand pieces okay let's move on um Let's talk a little bit more about IPL, uh, briefly for hair reduction. Um, when we talked about lasers of a specific wavelength that's attracted to a chromophore, IPL filters it to a range, a, a narrow a range of... Well, it's, it's, it's not exactly narrow. It depends on the handpiece. Okay. It's a range. So, I mean, I've got some IPL handpieces. I've got one that goes from 500 and 600 nanometers. That's got a cutoff filter on the bottom and the top. So basically, I've cutoff filters that filter out wavelengths that you don't want but a lot of the hand pieces go from like 685 to 1200 so in some in some cases just some of that light's just not being absorbed by anything at all correct but isn't there an issue with like dark-skinned folks using the ipl is that that's going to be an issue is that those extra wavelengths have the propensity to be absorbed possibly but i mean if you're going to do photofacials you're not going to do them on a skin type five or six anyways got it let's talk about cooling okay one of the most um, important things on a laser so laser or IPL? IPL, doesn't matter. Is there cooling on lasers for hair reduction? There's three types of cooling that can be um, either integrated into a laser or IPL or is already built into the system. So um, one is um, cryogen. Which is a spray that's external, not part of the system. You have to... No, it's, oh. it's on the machine itself. So you can okay. set up the... Um, uh, hand piece to have either the spray before the pulse or after the pulse or before and after the pulse, which usually we don't do because then you can have something called a cryoburn. Okay. Um, so the cryogen hooks onto the machine itself. Give me an example of a machine. Candela. Okay, go they, ahead. They use a pretty much of a cryogen with everything. Okay. So they're gentle laser, gentle max, all of those use cryogen. What is your thoughts on that system compared um, to other technology? It's not my favorite because it's a consumable. And okay. Is it, it as effective as the other cooling? It, it is. It does cool the skin down okay. quite a bit, but again, it's a consumable. And if you're in the middle of the treatment and you run out of your cryogen, then you have to stop and you have to get a new canister and okay. all that kind of stuff. Um, Compared and I, to what? Well, so you've got the that, cryogen type. Then you also have forced air, which is like a zimmer. Okay. And so is you, that there's ones that actually have a right part of the handpiece and yes. there's also separate units that you can hold yes. to it. So if you have like um, Sinusure, when it came out with their Apogee Elite, 
they actually had a zimmer next to it and they integrated it into the handpiece. That's an so, older machine though, right? Yeah. Okay. And then what else is there now? Uh, well, you would also get a zimmer standalone. So if you have a device that's pretty hot on the skin, you can use a zimmer as um, kind of as an axillary. And we have several zimmers that you use as yes. well. So even though you that the primary cooling might be part of that, if you want to have additional cooling, you can use the zimmer. And you can also use the zimmer for other procedures yes. too. That works pretty well, like microneedling and things like that. Yeah. Um, you carry zimmer devices, right? I, I distribute for zimmer. Okay. So if someone has a question about what you can use a zimmer for, they can give you yes. a call on it. Okay. And, and sometimes it's nice because I've got one of my patients who her Brazilian is painful. So even my system, cooling system, my device that I use on her has got a great cooling system. I'll use the zimmer um, so I don't have to use any numbing cream on her. And that works pretty well. Yeah. You know, that's something I didn't ask about the hair reduction real quick. How Do you numb people no. for hair reduction? No. Can you numb people? Here's the th problem about numbing is it depends on how big the body part is. Right, because there's, there's a certain amount of uh, surface area that like lidocaine becomes toxic yes. or whatever you're using becomes toxic. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you don't want to have lidocaine poisoning on one of your patients. Um, so it just depends on the era. Back in the day when it I first started. It wouldn't be poisoning. It'd just be, be too much lidocaine. Yes. Okay, I got it. Um, their body wouldn't be able to filter it out. Got it. So when I first started, we had to numb everybody up because the, the laser my doctor chose was a 1064 and we're all, many patients coming in were light skinned and so Got it was it. incredibly painful. Um, so that's a disadvantage of a 1064. For, for a lighter skinned person. Yes. Um, so since then, and that was 2003, the cooling systems on the devices have gotten much better. So I mean, out of 200 people, I might numb two. It's a really small percentage of people that so, I will so, the, so the cooling system has evolved to the point where you, for the most part, don't need to numb Correct. people. And with the Zimmer, you probably don't need to ever numb because that that's enough to put them over the edge as far yeah. as like keeping them comfortable. Yes. Okay. Um, so then the third way of cooling is contact cooling. Which means what? So the handpiece itself, the tip, is cold. So it's cooling the skin before the pulse, during the pulse, and after the pulse. Now, what I like about the contact, because it does um, cool before, during, and after, it's kind of a no-brainer. So let me ask you this, just, just to break it down for the people who have never seen one of these. There's a, an internal cooling system that's putting cooling fluid onto a piece of metal that's transmitting that cold right to the skin yes. before, during, and after. And you can actually control how cold it is when and the also cold the comes. Crystal. So the crystal right, the whole thing, any part that's touching and around that's being cooled, and you can control how cold that is yes. for some devices. Yes. In the contact cooling, are there some contact cooling systems that are better than others? Because you've talked once about a, a contact cooling system that took like uh, five minutes for it to oh, actually get cold. Was, yeah, because you'd have to like hold the handpiece down on the ground to get the fluid to go down. It was just ghetto. So that's not worth getting because – so that, that's why in some cases – it's just like anything – I won't say 100% you get what you pay for, but in some cases, there's a minimum threshold of features and benefits in a machine that you're going to want to have if you're going to do this as a as a career, that you don't want to just buy the cheapest possible thing out there and realize that you're going to sacrifice things like safety for cooling. Yeah, so when I look at a device and start evaluating it, the first thing I actually do look at is the cooling system. Okay. The cooling system is the most important thing on that device. I mean, because you got to do safely. If you can't get the skin cold because this energy is going down into the dermis. Um, if well, you, you want can't it to keep, go there too. That's, yeah, but that's where it's got to go if you're going to do hair reduction. Right. If the epidermis isn't protected, 
it makes no sense to be in the dermis. So if you can't do it safely, you shouldn't be doing it. And one of the biggest features on safety is the cooling system. Okay. So there's two things. And I, every time I'm working on a patient, I take my handpiece and I touch it to the inside of my gloved hand. I make See sure how cold it is. Yes, okay. because there are a couple of devices out there that you can actually turn the cooling systems off. And if you don't know that ahead of time, you're gonna be lighting your patient up on fire. Now there's um, times that you wanna turn it off. You're doing things like vessels and things like I that. I do not turn it off for vessels, no. Okay. It's too much heat. And again, that'd be something, reason why they come to you for training is you know when and to yeah. or not. And or there are, yeah, and there's a device out there, um, the Luminous Light Shear, got their eight, uh, 800 nanometer diode approved for leg veins. It's a bad idea. Because of spot size? Because of spot size, because they want you to turn the cooling off. It just is a bad idea. If you yeah. don't have the device to do the treatment, and that goes back to what you learn in our theory class, which is um, the absorption coefficient, then you shouldn't be doing it. You mentioned once before, it's just soon I heard you talk on the phone. Um, something like doing small vessels is sort of an advanced thing. You'd want to have some experience on your belt doing other things because it's very do. difficult that to, to effectively take care of the vessel without burning them. So yes. that'd be something that you'd want to say, Hey, you know what, if you're going to do this, start out doing some other things yes. first, get a couple of years on your belt, then come to a special class, learn how to do this safely. Yes. Um, cause it's just not worth burning something. No. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, we've done this before platform versus standalone versus platform light. Um, you have you own all of these machines. You also sell machines. Um, you have many different of those things. There's some advantages to a platform. What would those? We've talked about it before, but just briefly, the advantage of the platform is is that you pay a price for one 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 piece of machine. It takes up less space in your yeah. operatory, and it allows you to do multiple things off the same machine. Yes. The disadvantages of that are if something happens to one component of that machine, it usually takes the whole machine out. If you have multiple clinicians, if the machine's in one room being used for IPL, it can't be used for hair reduction in a different room. Correct. And usually in many cases, well, as far as the manufacturers go, when you have multiple machines, you usually have to buy a warranty for each machine that's going to cost you a lot of money. You will have to. One of the nice things about your MediCreations line that you're distributing is, is that when you purchase that, you can get a warranty for each of the machine for a lot, for less money that would usually most people pay for warranty for one, which allows you then to have multiple machines in different rooms that do different things. From a engineering standpoint, my understanding is, is that by having a machine that does one thing, it allows that one thing to be done better. What I mean by that is it has a better power supply. There's only so much space that can, that are inside. in a cabinet. And usually the longevity of machine has to do with the cooling of the internal components. So these platform machines, for the most part, tend to pack a lot of components into a small box with not a lot of air circulation. And usually one of the things that's, that is uh, a compromise is the power supply. Uh, a smaller power supply is going to have less efficacy, but it's also going to not last as long. By having a separate machine for each thing, we have a lot more room in that cabinet to have an airflow. We can use a bigger power supply that tends to have more efficacy and last longer. Um, so, and if something were to go wrong with one machine, you have your other machine you can mm -hmm. use. And if one practitioner is doing hair reduction with the, say, the Medi diode, the other clinician could be doing many light over here doing photofacial. Does I pretty much sum all those things yes. up? You own both. What do you prefer depending on what you're doing? Um, well, 
it, they both have their advantages. It's not, you know, that one's a, a thousand times better. It depends on your office, how many people you have working, how many rooms you have. Mm -hmm. If you've got, you know, three or four clinicians doing this procedure, then I like the standalone machines better. Okay. Um, I've got, you know, an icon in one of my rooms and, you know, for one person it's fine, but if something goes wrong with the main unit, you can't do anything until you get it repaired. Now, my understanding too is, is that from a pricing standpoint, you can purchase several of these standalone units for the same price as one of these platform units. Crazy. So that's what's kind of nice about the MediCreations uh, units that you're distributing. The price point, they're made in... Made in Las Vegas, Correct. they have, you can get up to a five-year warranty, which is a huge value. Um, and you're able to basically custom tailor different machine configurations for what you're doing in your practice instead of, um, and like, you know, say you want to do fractional, you don't have to buy a $65,000 handpiece. You can actually get a unit that'll do that for probably the, the entire machine, $65,000. Yes. Okay. Let's move on. Um... Real quick on just some regulatory things for IPL. Now, we've now shifted gears from hair reduction, and now we're going to talk about photofacial. Okay. Um, there are for the states with regulations that are usually has direct supervision. We've talked about what that means. That means that the, per, the medical director, which in many states is an MDDO, in some states it's a NMD or an NP, mm -hmm. has to be present in the building. Correct. Okay. And... You can, the, the bad part of that is if you don't have a medical director on your, uh, in the building with you, theoretically, from the, according to the law, you can't be doing those procedures. Correct. Okay. Um, well, also when we're talking about IPL photofacial, what you can and can't do with it is, is what's nice is that you can combine different procedures together with IPL. Um, I know that you teach a class, um, you can kind of teach people uh, if they call you and, and have a little consulting with you on how to make six, you know, six, at least $600 an hour. What would be the, just briefly, what is that combination or one of the combinations that you've taught how to do with IPL? Um, a dermaplaning on the front. Okay. Then do a photofacial and then microneedling afterwards. Okay. As we discussed before, microneedling always comes last. Yes. How are we able to do microneedling with photofacial at the same time? Because a photofacial is a thermal injury okay. and microneedling is a mechanical injury. So I'm not putting thermal on top of thermal. We're not so talking about RF heat. microneedling. No. We're talking about non-RF yes, like skin like stylus. Yes. Got it. Okay. Skin tightening. Uh, let's jump to skin tightening. Okay. Um, we haven't done too much with that. Now, there's microneedling out there, right? That mm -hmm. does skin tightening, but it's going to have to have energy involved, Correct. right? Because it in order to have skin tightening, when we look at the research, whether it be fractional laser or RF, you have to have heat, a thermal injury Correct. to get those collagen fibers to denature, which would shorten them. And the mm -hmm. shortening of them is what's causing the skin to tighten. Correct. Now, we also get a little bit of what looks like tightening from the edema. The swelling, but that goes away in a couple days. This shortening of the collagen fibers lasts anywhere between four, about four months to six months. And then those fibers, the damaged fibers are replaced, new fibers are put in place and you have to do it again. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole reason why we tend to do repeated treatments over time. The good part about that is, is that we have a built-in revenue stream and we can show efficacy over time. The downside of co constantly using heat to do skin tightening is what? 
we tend to have some fib fibrosis oh, over time. Tissue. So, um, you know, in the name of age management, we really can't combine the notions and the ideas of age management, which is trying to keep people looking young as possible, young looking as possible, or keeping them from aging with skin tightening. Because skin tightening is actually a procedure that's doing damage to the skin to have basically an artificially induced tightening that's then the body's going to heal. Yes, it looks better and there's times to do that. But over time, six months after six months, over years after years, we're going to actually damage the skin. So when we're, when we're discussing these types of things, it comes down to how much energy and how much damage is enough. What would be nice if we could use the minimum amount of damage or energy to get the tightening without any more damage than we need to. And that's kind of where we start talking about, let's talk about the difference between fractional laser and RF microneedling. Specifically, let's talk about right now non-ablative fractional laser. Now I'm going to talk around 1540 or in some cases, depending on the manufacturer, you can do a 1440 or 1510. Mm -hmm. You own this technology, yes. right? You sell this technology. Um, you also have RF microneedling, which is using RF energy, okay? Kind of give me a sense of in your own practice, what you're using what for and what you've transitioned to and why you use one over another. Um, <clears throat> well, with the 1540, um, it's a wavelength that is attracted to water. So that okay. means it's a non-specific chromophore. Yes. Everything's getting heated up. That has water in it. Well, that has water in it. But it's not attracted to water enough that it's ablative. So okay. like a 2940 is going to vaporize the tissue because the highest absorption in water um, is 3,000 nanometers. So the so, 2940 is just off of that. So if we look at absorption coefficient lines, we have a couple different places on that that have the maximum absorption. Those happen to line up with 2940 and then the, C, the two CO2s. The, the CO2, okay. um, which is 10,600. Um, the 1540s, 1440s, 1510s, all those have a smaller peak. So they're not water. quite as attracted to the point where they're vaporizing. No. But they are having... So what we're saying is, is that instead of vaporizing tissue, we're denaturing it, which is a lower temperature yes. and a different effect. Yes. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to look at is the skin type. So although laser manufacturers like to say that a 1540 is just attracted to water, so therefore it's colorblind, it's not really true because you can cause hyperpigmentation from heat. Just from the heat itself. Yes. Okay. And so... Because melanocytes are sensitive to heat, yes, especially heat in light. dark skin type. Yes. So what led me to look at microneedling back in 2007 was um, having some uh, skin type 6 patients for acne scarring wanting to do my fractional 1540. And the, what I told them is, listen, I don't want to take your acne scars. And two things are going to happen. Either I'm going to have to lower the fluent so much that there's not going to be any efficacy. Or if I use a fluent that's going to be effective, then I'm going to leave brown circles. So instead of having acne scars on your face, you're going to have acne scars with brown circles around them, which is another problem. So let me clarify that. You're talking about non-RF microneedling. Correct. Though, so. I'm talking about a 1540. Got it. So you, the reason why is you, you, you've transitioned your people off of the 1540 and the darker skin type at the time was because at the time you didn't want to have the hyperpigmentation issue. So you switched them to non-RF microneedling. But if we're going to do skin tightening, and you now, you now have the RF microneedling platform versus a 1540. Mm -hmm. Now kind of give me a sense between those two technologies. Well, you can. So with an insulated needle on an RF microneedling, which means the 
energies only coming out make maybe the bottom 400 microns. Okay, so let, let me stop you on that. So on the microneedle, the handpiece that the RF the microneedling, there's the needle needles that come out. Yes. The, in some systems, the whole needle allows the RF energy to come out. Correct. Those which, are which unguarded. Those would be uninsulated, which means that the epidermis and everywhere the microneedling is touching is getting energy. Yes. But you're saying there's an insulated version that says the top, the, the entire shaft, if you will, of the microneedle itself doesn't have any energy coming out and just the little end of it just the tip i knew that was coming <laughs> just I, I set you up for it Thank set you. up for you just the tip is basically delivering the energy yes. which allows you to bypass the epidermis. the epidermis where the melanocytes are yes. so you can use it on a darker skin type to get skin tightening yes because you can't get the skin tightening with non-rf microneedling no and instead of using the 1540 fractional laser, you've switched quite a few people to these insulated RF microneedling so you can get skin tightening, but not have to worry as much about hyperpigmentation. Yes. And one of the interesting things about that, my handpiece for my icon um, for the 1540, just the handpiece was 65,000. The handpiece doesn't work unless you put it on a $100,000 machine. So, so you're 165,000 to, to use do, a 1540. Yes. And you sell an entire, you sell an entire system with 50 tips for $65,000. Yeah. So now, so what we're saying, if we looked at the ROI, what's the ROI on 65 versus 165? A Quite a bit of difference. Yes. Now, but there are consumables though yes. with the Medi RF. What do yes. those ones cost? Uh, 55 a tip. So 55 a tip. And the 1540 itself doesn't have consumables. No, it does not. But when you do the math, we still can show that you have quite a bit more ROI um, quicker using the MedRAF, even got, with the consumable. $100,000 more. Got it. Okay, keep going. So um, when we're talking about uh, this RF microneedling versus 1540, can you do different things with? The 1540 versus the, can you do other procedures besides fractional laser or that no, piece is just it. that? That's just fractional laser. So you can treat, I mean, the, the common treatments are stretch marks, um, acne scars, the skin tightening. Can you control the depth of the 1540? <sighs> you can control the fluence and the pulse duration. But that doesn't problem, control the, the depth. Problem is, yeah, and when you have a device that's attracted to water, it's really going to base I mean, how hydrated your patient is. Right. So the more water, the more it hits, the more, if it hits early on, it's just not going as deep. Exactly. So it's really hard to truly gauge what the depth of penetration is. But with the Medi RF system, Medi RAF system, you can control the depth exactly where well, yeah, you want. You can, you can go. Because you can you say, know. I'm going to be at 1.5. I'm going to be 1 by 2 by just controlling it on the machine yes. itself. When you, when you want to do skin tightening, how many of your patients do you have using 1540 and how many do you have using MediRAF now? They're all using MediRAF. Okay. Why? Because it's better. It's well, more we effective. Better. Do you have better efficacy? Effective. Yes. It's more effective. Okay. And obviously it costs me less and there's less, less downtime and it's less painful. And although, I mean, I started with the 1540 because at the time it was all we had. Right. One of the problems you have is those micro channels as you're burning through the tissue, those micro channels um aren't going to close up They're 18 hours or so about, yeah and so the problem is is i used to give them instructions like no first date food or all first date food sorry and they go what's that it's like when you go on a first date you're not going to be eating spaghetti you're not going to eat a slab of ribs you're not going to eat anything messy because you're on a first date and the problem is when you get a, you haven't been on a first date with me apparently <laughs> 
Keep going. You don't want to know about our first date. Keep um, going. So when you go around the mouth, and, and so if they're then eating yeah. afterwards, they'll wipe their mouth and they end up getting milia. Milia, which it's real common. Do you do you see a lot of milia with the RF no. system? Because no, the micro channels are closing so much. about time. four to six hours, and well, so you don't have that. One of the big things I want to talk about is treatment planning, but I also want to talk about the fact that how because of skin type and sun exposure, why what makes the RF microneedling so much superior to the fractional laser because of the amount of time they have to be out of the sun. Can you go through that a little bit? Well, lasers are more unforgiving when it comes to sun exposure. So if you're going to do a 1540 treatment, how often do they how how much do they how long do they have to be out of the sun before they can get a treatment? Well, we always say minimum of two weeks. So two weeks, and then they have the treatment. Then how long do they have to stay out of the sun? Minimum of two weeks. So there's. If they're staying under the sun while they get the treatment. A month. But then at the end of that month, it's time to get another one. That's the same. They're staying under the sun the entire treatment. For six months. So they yes. can't really go in. If they want to get this 1540 on schedule every every month, they can't be in the sun no. for the six months. No. How about with RF microneedling? Um, you know, if somebody's got a sunburn, I won't do anything. Right. Um, but if they've had some sun exposure, because it's radio frequency, it's not a laser beam, so it's not a light-based therapy, it's much more forgiving. Because it's not going to be attracted to any particular melanin or Correct. pigment. So you could, they could be out of the sun, assuming they don't have a sunburn, you wouldn't do that anyway for no matter what you're doing, but if they don't have a sunburn, you can give them a treatment, they can go back out in the sun a couple days later? I encourage them not to. But I mean, it's, but yes. they could without having but I'm a, not going to freak out. It's not going to affect the next time they can have a no. treatment. So for people who live in Arizona who like to play golf or do things like that or go out on a boat or at a kid's soccer game, they're going to have a really tough time getting a series of 1540s because they cannot be in the sun. Yes. Whereas RF microneedling, you're going to get better efficacy and we don't have to have quite the restrictiveness of how much sun exposure. That's a huge deal when you're deciding what to buy because if you don't know that how many how many laser reps are going to tell you about that particular issue with the 1540 well, or any fractional it's, laser it's hard because i mean even in in the summertime here i mean some of my fractional lasers my ipl device if i'm doing photofacials if it's 126 out which happens in august and mm -hmm. september i can't do anything because they can't go into any heated environment which if they walk outside they're in a heated environment so since i don't want them living in our office October, I have to really watch not just their sun exposure, but I actually have to pay attention to what the weather is. Right, otherwise in, it's in too hot. Area. Can't even do it. I can't do it. So you have both of these technologies. Yes. So if someone wanted to come see you, they could see both technologies. You could talk about mm -hmm. why you would, in most cases, recommend the Medi uh, RAF. Now you still have the fifteen forty, and you still use it. But, yes. But you had to pay sixty five thousand dollars for the handpiece to fit onto a hundred and ten thousand dollar platform as opposed to a $65,000 machine yes. that does all of that for you. Now, the Mendiref also has some other things with it. It also has like a multifocal fractional piece on that? Yeah, so you can use that um, before the actual RF microneedling to help with the impedance of What does the, that mean? This. Well, you heat up this tissue. So, so it makes the this makes, makes things absorb easier, makes needles go in easier when you're working it's on less warmer painful tissue. and more effective. Yeah. And that's that's a unique feature of MediRAF that other systems don't have. Yes. And you also, my understanding, you have a cooling plate on Yes, that thing's awesome. I use it with all my other devices too. So you so just turn that thing on. Just It's basically a, a cooling system with a flat metal yeah, plate. Yeah, think of it like um, there's um, cooling rollers out there so it's a metal big like a big roller it looks like a like almost like a painter's roller but right. it's about about four inches wide and you keep that in your freezer and then you have the patient do one side after you've already done that while you work on the so other like side. So like you did a blade of lasers or any of those things. So you yeah so you can use that to cool the skin down and help alleviate the pain. 
The problem is, is when you use it, then it has to go back in the freezer. Yeah. So you might not be cold enough for the next patient. The well, reason this, you use the metal is because the metal conducts cold right. much better. This is actually built into the machine. So it's, it's got an actual cooling system, yes. like a contact cooling system built on a plate that yes. you use not just for the Medigraph treatment, but you use it for other treatments. Yeah. I'll, I'll have it in my room if I'm doing a photo fish and they're getting too warm. Instead of grabbing an ice pack from the freezer, I'll just have so it. So if you don't have a zimmer, this does a great job as well. Well, you can't use it at the same for time. For cooling, but, but as you far as post. post, for post. Yes. Okay, cool. And that's all part of one platform. Yes. Very cool. Um, yes, it is. It is cool. <laughs> Let's talk about um, foreskin tightening. What is the average? Okay, I, I saw it on my slide. But let's talk about what are the primary technology that can be used for skin tightening. We've talked about RF microneedling. We've mm -hmm. talked about a 1540. Is there anything else out there? Well, there's um, Ulthera, which is ultrasound. So Ulthera is a, is a proprietary system that uses ultrasound. Yes. Okay. And what do what do they use that for usually? Like skin what tightening you, for what areas? They have particular areas um, they're approved for. Usually, I don't know what their FDA clearances are for. Um, I believe it's just face, neck, and submental area. So they tend to under the chin type of thing. Yeah. You've had it done. No, I haven't. Okay, you've had you've. you've I've worked. been offered to have it done. Why did you not times? get it done? Because it freaking hurts. How do you know this though? Because everybody told me it freaking hurts. <laughs> Compared and to what? Other things? It's like you want to be medicated. Like, and one of the things that they say is if you can take ibuprofen an hour ahead. It's, it helps with a lot of the pain. Unfortunately, I'm allergic to ibuprofen, so I don't have that option. So for me, I mean, it's if, if I and I don't think the efficacy is as good as based on it, what? Well, I look at a lot of a lot of pictures, and a lot of my friends have had it done. It really is operator dependent. Okay. Um, so if the person isn't trained properly, you might not get uh, very effective, and it also takes so many months for it to be effective. It's expensive. It's painful. When you say it's expensive, how much is it in a normal treatment? $1,200. $1,200 for one treatment. Yeah, because the and how many treatments are you supposed really to expensive. have? Maybe three or four. So in reality, you could just get, get, a neck, you get a facelift or a neck lift yeah. for the same price. How much is that machine? Uh, I think it's either about $110,000, $120,000. So you're not necessarily anti-Ulthera, but if you compare it to something like a Medi-Raf where you pay sixty five dollars with less pain, same or, or in some cases better efficacy with less restrictions and you can... Don't don't have that price point. Your yeah, ROI is just are a lot. Some... Yeah, my consumables. I mean, the transducers. I think are. Oh, there's consumables. With oh, yeah, yeah, How much are those? I think I'm not 100 positive. I can find out, um, but I think they're like around 800 a piece. How many times can you use that? I'm not sure how many patients. Okay, so but there's consumables yes. with it. So, but they're not 55 dollars consumables. No. Okay. Then um, there's also this thing called Mira Dry. What does that do? Well, Mira Dry is for hyperhidrosis, Which so it is uses microwaves. Excessive sweating. Yes. So you, it's it's been cleared to go what underarms and other areas to get in palms and underarms. Feet. I'm not sure if it's palms and feet yet because the needles go into the skin. Got it. Got it. And it applies microwave energy. So my understanding that goes pretty deep. Yes. And that's somewhat. So painful. you have to be you have to be numbed up with lidocaine. Injection. So it's fairly yes. painful, and that's so. Even though that's theoretically skin tightening, it's very specific to hyperhidrosis. Yes. Okay. I don't consider it skin tightening. Okay. Is there any other skin tightening machines out there? Like, like a, you know, like what about these like Bella shapey things or those types of machines? Do those do skin tightening? Well, some of them are skin tightening, some of them are more cellulite. So it really depends. Okay. I mean, the ones with RF, an RF is considered, quite frankly, the gold standard of skin tightening now. It really is. Okay. Um, whether it's a, a V shape where you're trying to do circumferal now you have tightening. A, you have one called a Medi Slim. Is that what you yes. guys have? And that what's cool, what's different about that particular machine is that it has like a little tiny applicator, applicator so for the, the eyes, eyes, which is unique in the industry, yes. right? And then you've got a smaller one for like the back of the arms and stuff, and then you've got a larger one for like thighs and abdomen. Okay. 
in efficacy, and that's pretty decent. It's okay. Okay. I mean, the, the problem, the problem that you have with any body contouring procedure is it's more dependent on the patient. Right. Diet. I mean, yeah. It's exercise. like you're you're a dentist. By the way, the dentist knows that you floss the day before you went to the dentist, <laughs> exactly. or the day of the dental treatment. They know that you haven't flossed for the last six months. Yeah. Like the joke I always hear is like, "Have you been flossing?" And the patient says, "Dude, you were there." I know. <laughs> So, so when you talk about body contouring, um, and that's what's mostly skin type in the bias, it's, it, this is, this is for somebody who's already working out or maybe has one little area. It's not for, um, a medically obese person. It, it really isn't. And so, so some people so, get procedures so done. It's and not then, for all patients, the BMI, it's dependent on their BMI. It is, right? but not only that, but then it depends on their lifestyle. So, you know, if they get a treatment done, then they feel they can go eat a pizza and it's all dozen, you know, a dozen donuts. It doesn't work like that. So it's really hard to manage what happens in your spa because once they leave your office, you have no control. Yeah, they're going to eat them. a pizza. They, they think that somehow because they got to yeah, and now it's okay to have a dozen donuts or eat a pizza. Yeah, I remember and, watching Real Housewives of Atlanta one year, and one of the chicks was underneath a Zerona machine, and she's eating pizza at the same time. She's defeating the whole purpose. Yeah. So it's it's hard to manage your patient's expectations. That's why measurements and photos are all hugely important. Every but then again, time. those are always dependent on technique of the photos. And then, you know, there's, there's things like there's, water weight and just so many variables that is. makes it tough to show efficacy. It is. Do, would you, would you be fair to say that someone who's in fairly good shape with just a little bit to lose, like say they're already working out is probably the best yes. candidate because they already have the right lifestyle and the, and the BMI is such that they can actually show some difference. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I mean, when everybody knows that I had a tummy tuck, or if you didn't know, surprise, I had a tummy now tuck. Now you had a tummy tuck. Yeah. Um, in 2017, I had twins when I was 27. I also went through menopause. There was no device on the market that was going to do what I wanted without a surgeon. That was it. It was surgery. So you have to pick your candidate. So when you've got somebody, and I've had patients that come in and they want to talk to me about a mini raft procedure, and they're in their mid 60s, upper 60s, their faces have fallen down. They are not going to get back up. And what I usually tell them is like, I want you to go see um, a friend of mine, Dr. Hopgood. He's a facial plastic surgeon. He's a great surgeon. Um, and talk to him first because what they really need is a facelift. Or in the case of Tummy, you had Dr. Sujimara, right? Yes. And he did a good job. She he did a great job. So plug um, for Dr. Sujimara, plug for Dr. Hopgood. If you're yes. in Scottsdale area, those are your <laughs> Hopgood faces, Sujimara body. So and Holden too. And Holden, Dr. Holden, who works with Dr. Sujimara, is Another wonderful facial surgeon. plastic surgeon. Got it. Um, but it really is going to start with what? What is your starting point? And sometimes they're so far gone that that starting point requires a surgeon, and they don't want to hear that. So what I usually do is I have to send them out to a surgeon, and if they decide, For a that, yes, if they decide that they don't want to go the surgery route, then come back and we'll do the best that we can. But you're never going to have the same result with any type of skin tightening if the person actually needs surgery. So, you know, this is something that I teach in one of my courses that if you're starting out practice or you have an existing med spa, you want to have relationships already set up to surgeons that you can refer to. And what you would do is you'd call up and say, hey, I'm setting up a med spa. These are the things I do. I don't do these things. I'd like to be able to refer my people to you for, you know, if they do, uh, in the case of Dr. Hubbard, uh, facial plastics. All I ask in return is, is that when you're done with the consult, for the things, that, for the services I do, please send them back to me. That's huge. And once you have that relationship, 
Now you, you can coordinate care between, say, Dr. Hubgood and you, and there's not this misunderstanding they're going to steal your patient. But if you don't set those relationships up, there's going to be guaranteed there's a time going to come when you need to refer somebody, and now you've just sent them into the wild. You don't know where to send them to. By actually knowing who to send them to and having a relationship with that you now can reciprocate back and forth, the patient feels so much better taken care of, they get better treatment, and you're able to actually have a nice consistent flow from, say, they get surgery. You can do some things prior to the surgery and after the surgery that are all part of the same treatment plan and coordinate that with the surgeon that you're referring to. But if you don't set up the relationship ahead of time with people that you can have the discussion with, either walking or talking to say, I'll refer them, but I want them back, then you don't know where to send them. And I think that's critical to success. And I've seen, you've done that in your practice, I've done that in mine, where that, that, can, that continuity of care between providers is one of the biggest services that you can give a med spa patient. So if you're opening up a med spa, consider knowing that even if you don't offer these treatments, you don't do facelifts, you don't, just say you don't do injectables, whatever. Figure out who does do those things. Set up a referral network where you have a dis you have a discussion and an understanding that they're not going to steal your patient. That you do a certain part, and then when you plan these things out, you can do these consults. You can send them out, bring them back, and have one contiguous treatment plan that makes sense to the patient. Well, it's not just by the way, plastic surgeons. I have derms dermatologists derms, that I course. refer out to. Someone Any, has a lesion. What are you going to do with it? <clears throat> I'm going to send them to a derm uh, if they don't have one of themselves. So you, you want to have these docus, doctors that you know what their work is, um, and you value the work that they do, and you know they're going to send your patient back. Right. And so I've got reciprocal relationships with doctors throughout the Valley because I want, if I've got somebody who's on the West Side and they need a dermatologist, I want to be able to send them to somebody closer to their area. Real quick legal note. There's something called fee splitting in almost every state. You can't get paid one way or the other. You can't have them pay you to give a patient. They can't. You can't pay them to get a patient. That's called fee splitting. These referrals have to be free, just so you know. Yeah, and and you know the people. The reason we refer to people is because they refer back to right. us. Right. That's that's the reciprocal. That's okay. But there's no yes. money that exchanges. No. Don't do any of those no. things. and I, I especially with my plastic surgeons that I refer to, I know what their work looks like. Either right. I've had it done myself right. or I've had patients who have had their work. So I'm not going to send them to somebody who I think does subpar work. And, and again, the, the, the notion is, is that if, if you have the, the, the relationship set up that you know you're going to get your patient back, that's important. Now, let's say we've, I've had this happen one time in one of my referrals. I had an oral surgeon I sent someone to uh, to do a, a procedure that I wasn't comfortable doing. And then they ended up doing, keeping that patient and doing things that I normally do. I just stopped referring all exactly. of my patients to that doctor. And they called me up probably a year later and said, I haven't got a patient. I said, that's because you stole my patient. Exactly. So that is the the hammer. Uh, they no longer get to be part of your referral network. Well, not only that, everybody in this industry, if you're in a, a community, we all know each other. Yeah, it's very and small. So if you start hosing people, it comes it, back It quickly. comes back because then everybody else is no longer referring to you because they know that you're not taking the patient. One other minor thing to bring up, and again, this is just from years of experience. Even if you know there's a clinician out there that you don't particularly appreciate their work, just it's never a good idea to talk badly about another clinician. You can just basically say something like, it's not someone I would refer to and leave it at that. You don't say that this, they do this, they have this nickname, they do all these things wrong. That's just in a professional environment, there's just no reason for that. You, If you feel strongly about you don't want a patient to go to that person, you would just make the statement, it's not someone I would go to or send a family member to and leave it at that. Yes. Okay. And also on that same note is if 
somebody comes into you and they have a problem with a procedure that they've had done someplace else, please don't throw that practitioner yeah, under the bus. Yeah, that's the worst thing. We'll talk about that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about exciting new technology that you're <laughs> about to offer. That's been out, that there's one other company out there offering. It's it's like a tens unit on steroids, um, and I'm super excited to talk about it when we come back. Evidence-Based Aesthetics is brought to you by Microcartridge Solutions. Having trouble finding cartridges to fit your micro-needling device? Looking to save money on microcartridges and supply? Check out microcartridge.solutions on the web to find OEM and aftermarket cartridges and suppliers for many popular microsystems. Evidence-Based Aesthetics invites you to join Evidence-Based Aesthetics Facebook group. And now, back to the show. We're back. Medspob Madness, you'd have to be crazy to Crazy. start a med spa, open a med spa. Um, we, this is our podcast and video series talking about uh, folks who are either considering opening a med spa or own one and want to bring new equipment in. What we're about to get talk about is probably my favorite and most exciting piece of machinery that's ever been developed. Um, I think it's the coolest thing out there. I think it's I just I just can't wait to get ours in. We I get the first one in the United States to uh, work through uh, testing and going through it. Um, it's called the Medi Muscle. There is another unit out there that's already been released. That one's called M Sculpt. Let's talk about what that technology is. Um, basically, it's EMS, so electromuscular stimulation. So it's like if, you, if you've ever been to the chiropractor or physical therapy and they put a TENS unit on you and it contracts the little... So it puts an electric shock yeah. into the muscle and, and makes the, the muscle, muscle contract. contract. Now, you know, 20, 15 years ago, they had these belts you could put on and you wear it on your tummy, it would contract, contract, contract. And supposedly you got these, you know, super seven pack abs or whatever the seven. weird... it's Because it never looked, it looked weird. This technology is far superior to that and actually has some clinical efficacy studies yes. done. It's been cleared by the FDA. At least the M-Skull unit has been cleared by the FDA. My job is to get the many muscle cleared through the FDA, which won't be difficult because it's similar technology. So let's talk about what this does. What do you do with it? You lay underneath it. <laughs> Just kidding. You have pads. So what do you that... mean pads? It's like electrodes, big electrodes, yes. right? Like, and they stick large. onto your... And a body area. Yes. And you turn it on for yes. 20, 30 minutes. Yes. And what it's doing is it's sending up electric shock and tenting the muscles up and re relaxing them, much like you if you were working out. Yes. Except at a rate and a consistency. Much and faster. A, yeah. You're actually going to get some efficacy there. What's cool about this is when you combine this with other technologies, like say you're going to do something like cool sculpting or you're going to do something like uh, what else is out there for fat reduction and body shaping? Well, you've got V-shape. V-shape. That's because that also has ultrasound on it. You've got the Vela shape. You've got the Medi-Slim. There's different devices right. that are for um, fat reduction. Part of the problems that you've seen with, uh, I won't say the problem, but one of the issues that you've seen with cool sculpting, uh, they do a great job marketing, by the way, is what? Well, the cryolipolysis, which is what's killing the fat cells, um, and it does work, but the problem is there's no heat to contract that tissue. So the what tissue? The, 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 the tissue the that the, the fat tissue. is <laughs> lying underneath. Right. So you get rid of the fat under the skin, but then there's nothing to support the skin, so it sags. So you've actually seen, in some cases, it looks worse yes. when it's done. Now, yes. it's not saying it doesn't work. I'm not saying it's it just case selection and understanding the technology. Yes, yeah, so you've got to understand, like, is the person young enough 
that when you get rid of that fat, is the skin going to contract? Also, is the skin going to contract enough, even if it's a young person, but do they get you know, that snapback of the skin? And if they don't, then the skin sags, and then you look like you need a tummy tuck if it was done in the abdominal area. How much is a cool sculpting system? Um, about a cool sculpting? Cool sculpting. Oh, gee whiz. Um, I think it's... Probably about one hundred twenty-five thousand. That's at a low end. I heard it was one hundred eighty, but okay, so it's over one hundred twenty-five. Well, one eighty. No, I'm talking about cool sculpting. Yeah, I don't know. And you also have to have cards that you yes. that reach consumable. It's very expensive. Yes. We're not saying there's not a good thing. They do a great job marketing, but the issue with cool sculpting is, is by not using heat. You also have to then figure out when you're doing your treatment planning, what are you going to do to, to make the you skin have some tighten type up? Of an RF now, device. there's there's other devices out there that work that use heat. I can't remember the name of them. Besides cool sculpting, what's some other the technology? Oh, you're talking about sure sculpt. Yeah, or sculpture. Sculpture, things like that. Now, is there issues with that? Um, kind of an issue whether it works or not. Yeah, there was some uh, problems with it. Class action lawsuits. Yeah, and there's like that. there's some people that say it works great. There's a big group of doctors that say it doesn't work at all. What about someone who just got liposuction done? Well, could you, you use something like uh, once they're healed up? Could you use uh, the CMS? Yes. So that's what I think is cool about this, is regardless of what method you used to get rid of the fat, case selection's everything. Obviously, someone who's got a high BMI and just a, you know, a lot of excess tissue, you're not going to be able to even see the difference. But someone who's you know, working out and has a little bit of body fat here and wants to actually have more musculature, this particular technology, um, it's it's making it so that you actually have more muscle definition mm -hmm. and more, more muscle hypertrophy um, in, in other areas. Now, the MSCULT system that's out there, that's around $180,000. Yes. Um, there has two pads. Yes. Not four. Two pads. And then those things actually are, are considered consumables because you can only do X amount of treatments before you have to replace those pads, and they're $10,000 each. Yes. Okay. The MediMuscle system that's coming out from MediCreations that you're carrying that I'm going to be doing some of the trials on, um, which it's going into IRB, so it, it will be for sale to doctors only right now under an IRB study, is it has four pads. Mm -hmm. They're not consumables, which means you don't have to replace them for $10,000. It also has infrared so that you can actually use infrared heat as well as TENS unit, um, if you will, or EMS. And it also has a massager much like the Z-Wave, which was something about when you do this muscle tightening, you then take a massager that, that pounds it, pounds it's it like basically. Or it basically it's like a meat tenderizer. But what that does is it, it increases efficacy, is my understanding. Well, not only that, so um, Zimmer makes something called the Z-Wave, Z -Wave. which is very close to and that what is the handpiece. That is a class one device, by the way, the Z-Wave Pro. Yes. I looked that up. Yes, and it's about $22,000 right. um, just for the Z-Wave. But they're using that after cool sculpting because well, after you get done with cool sculpting, you have to massage the area. And right. the technicians get something called frozen fingers because it's, like it's like taking a frozen... Um, stick. stick of butter. Yeah. No, it's like a stick of butter because okay. that's what the applicator is like. Okay. And you have to mold the stick of butter frozen back into the tissue. Okay. So you can, you know, they've bought a device like a Z-Wave to pound the tissue out. And so the nice thing is with the Medi-Muscle, you have that component on it already. But you don't, you're not using cooling any with Medi-Muscle. No, you're not. But if somebody has a cool sculpting machine. This thing would pair with it perfectly? It, yes, because you can use the handpiece to pound the tissue back down and then when the skin starts sagging 
then you can use the heat. Also, my understanding from looking at some of the research, and I'm obviously going to be doing some of this research, is that by using this massager um, right after you've done the medi muscle part of it, mm -hmm. you're actually getting more efficacy because you're loosening those. The muscles have been contracting, contracting, yes. contracting. You're now the relaxing them again yeah. and allows them to heal faster. And then when you add the infrared on top of that, you're getting even more, more yes. healing. So super excited about this system. Price point. Um, it's going to be right around 82000 Compared to 180. Correct. And four pads. And no consumables. And no consumables. And two more different procedures on it, or two more different applicators. Yeah, so the IR as well as the massager. Yes. Game changer then for ROI. I'm going to be living underneath it. Because I'm the Amscult is still, they're still making money with the Amscult, even at 180. Oh, Can you absolutely. imagine getting it for 80, having twice as well, many your ROI pads? It's going to be a lot better. And not having that $10,000 consumable pad. I think, it's, it's in, in my opinion, probably the most exciting procedure out there as far as as efficacy, safety. I mean, safety-wise, we've already shown the TENS unit's been out there since 1993. Um, it's been cleared. Um, we just don't see any adverse reactions to it. And from an efficacy standpoint, we've seen some really good results. From a profitability standpoint, the demand for this is so high. And at the same time, with an ROI of $80,000 and four pads, you can do twice the areas. And not have consumables, you guys are going to kill it with this machine. I'm excited. So I'm going to be conducting the IRB study on this. Um, I'm also going to be helping with doing the clinical trials. If it's even necessary, we're going to the FDA. Um, I'll be there probably in a week, two weeks at the max. And we may not even have to do a trial because MSCULP did not do a clinical trial to get their clearance. Either way, I'm still going to do a clinical trial. What that allows us to do is you're allowed to sell the machine to doctors, MDs, and DOs only. Um, under IRB, you have a little bit of a study discount. Is that right? So if they yes. participate in the study, all they got to do is what? Do a few cases as part of the research, and, and just document them. some things and report them. Fairly easy write-up. Mm -hmm. They're going to get uh, a paid to do that study, which then I think is what, $5,000 to do that? I think so. And what that allows you to do then is that they can legally sell and use the machine while we're waiting for our FDA you're waiting for your FDA clearance. Um, what's cool about an IRB, just so you know, is FDA clearances protect manufacturers, guys, okay? They protect manufacturers and it doesn't help you with your, with your insurance. IRBs, on the other hand, has insurance that protects the clinician and you're not paying for any of that insurance. So in some cases, an IRB device has far less liability than an FDA clear device. So it's um, like you're throwing your liability onto another on, insurance on company this, on, as opposed to yours. That you're not paying for. Yes. It's not even going under your insurance, it's going under the IRB's insurance, Correct. which is being run by MediCreations. Correct. So if anybody has questions about that, they can call you at 480-656-2551. Um, we have a price point sitting there that says 68K. So that's the IRB piece special, right? Yes. That's including the that, that part's factoring the five grand for the study. Yes. And that's limited because we only have five machines coming in the United States Correct. right now. And I have one of them for the study. Yes. So you actually have four machines you yes. can theoretically sell. Yes. Okay. So again, probably the most exciting piece of technology. I'm not just saying that because I want you to sell. I don't care if you do or not because obviously I get paid to do what I do. But as far as something I would use, I'm going to live with that thing attached to me. You're going to be fighting me. <laughs> yeah, we're going to fight each other for it. And I think because I've seen some really good results with MSculpt and the fact that this has twice your pads and the IR piece and everything else, is I think this is for a med spa, this 
This and microneedling are probably the two biggest game changers as far as an ROI and, and a procedure that patients want that, has, that are safe, effective, and profitable. Correct. Cool. Um, we're going to take a, a quick break and we come back, we're going to jump into a new topic. Thank you for listening to Med Spa Madness. You'd have to be crazy to open up a med spa. Thanks for listening to the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast with your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. For more discussion and information on all things aesthetic, be sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on our Instagram page. We look forward to sharing the next exciting episode of the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast.